All right. For those of you who do not recognize me, my name is C.J. Ellis. I'm the senior pastor hiding behind this tie. <laughs> and I'm wearing this, this tie today for two reasons, and I'll explain. The first reason is to honor our, um, our moms and our ladies, our sisters. And I'll tell you about the second reason in a moment. But I am excited about today. I'm going to do something different. It's not going to be your traditional Mother's Day sermon. And a a number of weeks ago, it's probably about six to eight weeks ago, um, I felt like the Lord was telling me what he wanted me to share on Mother's Day, on this day, today on May 12th. And I wrestled with it for a while because it's like, this doesn't really have anything to do with Mother's Day. But I felt like he said, just trust me and just share that. And so I went from wondering and dreading and trying to figure out why would he have me share this to excitement. I'm excited because I trust that when the Lord encourages us to do something, there's going to be fruit on the other end of that. I trust and believe that this message is something that many of you need to hear. Whether you're in this circumstance or not, I believe this message is for all of us. God wants to encourage and challenge and strengthen every single one of us. And I'm going to talk to you today about me finding the girl of my dreams. Yeah, that's right. We'll talk about me finding the girl of my dreams. And I'm, you know, my question is, does God care about our dating life? Does he care about our relationships? And namely, I'm going to be speaking to those of you who are single, who, who desire to be in relationship, who desire to be married someday. That's who I'm going to be talking to mainly, and I want to share my story as an example of what God can do. And it's not, in me sharing this story, it's not this is the only way God does it or this is the way it has to be. I just want to share an example of when we invite God into our process and our relationships of what he's, able, what he's capable of doing and what he desires to do. But I also want to talk to those of you who are married, happily married, or those of you who are single and you're very content. You're like, I'm good. Me and Jesus are good. And I desire to stay this way for the rest of my life. But I challenge you to believe that God can still speak to you through this message. Because I believe the Holy Spirit can and I believe he desires to. Do you agree with that? Do you agree with that? All right, good. So we're in agreement. So does God actually care about boyfriend, girlfriend stuff? Does he care about relationships? Do I have to go out and find my mate myself, or is God interested in helping me with that? When I came to Oklahoma State to uh, the college back in the day, a few years ago, I, um, I, was, I was 18. Actually, I was still 17, almost 18. But I was at the age where I was moving into the, the, the season of life where I was very interested in ladies, not just ladies, but interested in, in partnering with for life, you know, for marriage. I was moving into that, that phase of life where I was very interested. And so when I came to college, Oklahoma State, I noticed, a lot, first of all, I noticed a lot of girls, more than I've ever noticed before. And then, but I noticed all the craziness that was going on. I noticed guys and girls hooking up. I noticed all the dating that was going on. And a lot of it was a young, young people who would, you know, especially freshmen, who had lived at home under their parents' rule their whole lives, and all of a sudden they're free. They are free. No one's telling me what to do anymore. And people were living like that. And there was a lot of craziness, a lot of 
sexuality, a lot of all that kind of stuff. And then just the pressure and the, just to see all that was going on was crazy. And what also began to notice too was the, uh, you know, guys, you know, men and women coming together, becoming boyfriend, girlfriend, and all that. And then the breakups, and then the heartache, and then the suicidal tendencies, and then the discouragement, and then the enemies, people who were best friends all of a sudden becoming worse enemies, and just all this stuff. And it was just going on and on and on. And, and I thought, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy because I desired to have a relationship with a young lady. But what I was seeing and the, the fruit of all this chaos, I thought, do I have to put up with that to get the desire of my heart? And that was my question. And I, and I thought, this is, this is crazy. And so the, the man who led me to the Lord, the pastor who led me to, to the Lord, his name was Don Averett. Um, he also started challenging us or me. I, now I got saved in a campus ministry. It's called Maranatha Campus Ministries. And they were all over the United States and possibly all over the world. I'm not sure. But, but they were here at Oklahoma State. And I remember him challenging us, Pastor Don was challenging us about this whole thing of dating. Now, because the, the group that he had were, were young, college, young college and even older college, but we were all in the college atmosphere. And, and there was a few married, but most of us were in that season of life where we were single and we were desiring lifelong companionship. We were desiring that. And he knew that as a wise pastor. And so he began to challenge us. And he says, I challenge you to exchange dating in place of trusting that Jesus will be, bring the person into your life as you pursue him. And I thought, I, mean, I never heard that before. Never heard that before because I was under the impression that you had to go after and look for and, and hunt and search and, and try out different brands and all that kind of stuff. But what he was saying is, do you trust that Jesus cares about you so much that you believe that as you're pursuing him, as you're doing, going after him and doing what he's put in your heart to do in following him, that he would bring you and that person into your life? And so I thought about it. And I thought, I saw the chaos that was happening. I saw the fruit of my friends even, the heartache and the tragedy and just all that stuff. And I thought, hmm, me try it my way, the way everybody else is doing it. Doesn't seem to be going too well for many people. Now, obviously it doesn't mean that everybody was experiencing chaos. I don't want to paint that picture that everybody who was dating was killing themselves or anything like that. It wasn't like that. But it was just a lot of stuff going on, unnecessary stuff as I saw it. And so I thought, or can I trust God who knows everything, who really loves me and cares about me? Because I was beginning to believe, I just come into relationship with Jesus, and I was really believing that he not only cared about me, but he cared about every part of my life. And would he care about probably the most important part of my life? And I said, I believe that. And so I made an agreement, I, I made a commitment to the Lord that I was going to put off dating. No dating in exchange for trusting Jesus to bring the person into my life. And so I did. Started pursuing Jesus, going after him. Had, had good friends. And what we would do, we'd do things like group dating. You might have heard that. Where a group of young men and women would have fun things, do fun things together, bowl, movies, 
witnessing on a strip over by Eskimo Joe's, doing things like that. But we would do it as a group of friends, and there was no pressure of trying to impress, you know, the one-on-one, the girl, the guy, trying to impress each other. But in that context, I got to know ladies because I didn't grow up with any sisters. I grew up with five brothers, so I didn't even know girls or what they, I knew they were an interesting species, but I didn't know a lot about them. And so getting to hang out with these sisters and everything, it was very good. I got to understand and, and what? And all that stuff. So it was, it was, a, it was a very interesting um, deal that I was encouraged to do and I participated in. And I remember one time there was this young lady. Now, let me back up a little bit. The, the good thing about making that commitment not to date, the good thing about it is, is you can hide behind it when a girl approaches you that you have no desire to date, but you don't want to hurt her feelings. And you say, oh, I, I really appreciate you asking me out, but I can't because I made this commitment with Jesus. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but then there were the times when it was like, dang it, I made this commitment to Jesus. <laughs> There's a lot of those times. And, and there were a lot of, because uh, remember the context, college. Those of you who are in college, have been to college. I lived in, on the dorms, I mean in the dorms on campus. And just all the dating and all the stuff and all the temptation, all the, the traps, the challenges. I mean, I was living in the midst of that. There was a lot of lonely nights. A lot of people going out, pairing up, going out. And I'm just sitting in the dorm watching TV. So there was a lot of that. So... As I share this story, and I'm giving you the abbreviated version, you know, I'm sharing this in, in, you know, in a few minutes, but this is over, you know, a few years, period. And so there were some, some challenging times and times when I wish I had made that commitment, but there were times I was glad I did. Because in the process of that, I really got to know Jesus. Because, you know, it's like either he's real or he ain't. And if he's not, I don't have time to play and pretend that stuff. But if he is real, then I believe he's going to help me in this particular area of my life. Amen. And so I really got to know him and trust him and, and go after him and, and cry out of frustration and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then I remember there was this young lady who came into our group of friends, very attractive young lady. Um, I kind of liked her. I found out, you know, because your friends talk, hey, CJ, you know, girl, kind of thinks you're cute, you know, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, really? Really? And so I found out we liked each other, or she liked me. And then so I thought, hey, this is it. God has brought the woman into my life. So I remember praying. I remember praying, and, and because that was the deal. I was trusting Jesus to do this. And so I prayed and I said, Father, is it okay? We'll just say this girl's name is Amelia. Just throw that name out there. Is it okay for me to pursue a relationship with Amelia? And I fully, now she was a Christian. And she said she was. She's a Christian. So, hey, she's attractive. That's really good. Um, and she liked me. So, hey, three, three good things, right? And I remember asking him, I said, can I pursue a relationship with her? And he said, no. And it wasn't an audible voice, but it might as well have been. It was so loud 
and so clear in his no. I mean, it just resonated in my heart. And you know what I said? Forget you, God. Seriously. I said, forget you. I'm out of here. And I went and began to pursue a relationship with this girl. The worst year of my life. It was a life, it was a year full of stupid. And I remember going after this young lady, and it was so funny. Some guys might be able to relate to this. I remember it's like, hey, I'm free. I'm free from him. I'm going after her. Say, hey, baby, how you doing? That kind of thing. And then she's like, let's just be friends. I'm like, what? I dumped God for you? And you want to be friends? Are you kidding me? Yeah, that was stupid, wasn't it? But I wasn't going to give up. So I kept pursuing and I kept, because since we were friends, I was trying to change her mind to go from friendship to romantic, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend type deal. And so this lasted for a year. That's why I call it a year of stupid. And the reason why it was so horrific because my emotions were just shredded. Because what I thought, see, because really, now I didn't understand girls. And she, I guess she had the ability of being close without being romantic. And I didn't have that ability. And so I kept thinking when she was wanting to be close and we would talk and just stay up late night, just talking, talking, talking. I thought, hey, she's changed her mind. And so then I would ask her, say, hey, would you like to? And she's like, no, we're just being friends. So this went on month after month after month. And then I would come to my senses and realize how stupid I was being, and I would repent. Say, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'd be doing good until I saw her. And then I'd fall right back. And I'd follow around and kept trying to pursue that and everything. And that went on for about a year. And I remember finally I got fed up, and I said, God, I'm, I'm so sorry. Would you forgive me? And all that repented. And he was gracious enough, because I guess I just didn't have the strength of myself, but she, had, she went home for a semester, and she had to stay home to work to be able to afford college and come back the next semester. So I had a few months to get stronger and, and all that kind of stuff. And so life was good again. And so I began to, you know, just kept pursuing the Lord, doing his will, doing all that kind of stuff. I was... Um, Mark and Lori were the youth pastors at that time and here at New Covenant. And so I would just hang, well, I was real good with friends of theirs, and I would just hang out with them, help them serve the youth ministry, pouring Kool-Aid and snacks and that kind of thing, just having a good time, just pursuing Jesus, going after him, and loving on teenagers. And in that time, Lori had a sister. Notice I said had, trying not to give things away. Try not to spoil the end. She still has a sister? Okay. Lori had a sister and has, I found out, still has a sister, that came to live with her. She graduated from high school, and she came to live with her sister and, and brother-in-law. And, and because I was good friends with them and hung out with them a lot, it just so happened that I would see this young lady often. just so happens. Coincidental. And, and so I'd spend a lot of time with them, and I was beginning to like this young lady. Again, I'm giving you the abbreviated version. 
And, um, and I asked Lori, I said, hey, Lori, would it be okay if I asked your sister out? She's like, you like Lisa? Ha, ha, ha. I was like, don't do that to me. It's like, yes, I like your sister. So anyway, I wanted to make sure it was okay, that Lori was cool with it. And, and sure, she gave me her blessing and, and um, And we went out on a date. Then we went to the walk-around. Went to the walk-around, had a good time. And then I realized, wait a minute. I remember a few months ago, I was doing stupid. I'm not doing stupid anymore. And so I remember asking him, I said, Lord, is it okay? Can I pursue a relationship with Lisa? And I remember asking that question. I was sitting on the floor, leaning against my bed, and I had my eyes closed. And all of a sudden, I had this vision. I had an instant vision. And in the vision, I saw railroad tracks, and I saw the, the typical uh, railroad lights, that the X with the red lights. Well, I saw that X, but the lights were all green. And I heard this voice. He said, go for it. I'm like, oh, yeah, now we're talking. <laughs> Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible. So anyway, so I started pursuing Lisa with the Lord's permission, and we just had a good time you know, going out to all kinds of things. And we were pursuing Jesus together. We were serving the youth. We were going to youth group, not youth group, um, home group. We were just loving Jesus and serving him together and just having a good time. And I remember about two months into this, the Lord asked, the Lord asked me a question, and I knew the context. You know how when he asks you something and you know what he means? He said, son, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean what am I doing? You gave me permission to seek this girl and, and to pursue her. And you know what he told me? He said, yes, I did, but you have not asked her father. I'm like, I don't have any plans to ask her father. <laughs> I asked my father, and you said yes. He said, you haven't asked her father. And then he asked me another question. He said, do you care enough about Lisa to not come between her and her father? Or is this all about you? Don't you just love when God asks you those kind of questions? It's like, dang, Lord. Did I really want the best for her or was this all about me? And I think we would agree that that's what we see a lot in relationships. It's all about me. What I can get. What's going to benefit me. And, and the reason why this is important to me is because those of you who know Lisa, myself, there's a big difference between the two of us. I'm tall and she's short. Oh, what were y'all thinking? Am I missing something? Now, see, I hadn't, I hadn't met her parents yet, but I knew she was from the north. She's from North, South Dakota. And there weren't too many black folk up there in South Dakota because it's too cold. <laughs> Just being real. And so, so here was my thought process. The Lord was saying, do you care enough about Lisa not to come between her and her father? In other words, what if her dad has an issue with me? 
And see, and the issue wasn't her dad. It was, do I care enough about her that I'm going to choose not to allow that to be an issue? And so the Lord challenged me, and I'm like, man. And so he said, you need to ask her father. And I said, no. I'm just going to pray about it. <laughs> Have you heard that before? I'm just going to pray about it. You know, if God tells you something, you don't need to pray about it. So this right here, this right here, I was showing Lisa this this morning. It's dated March 20th, 1989. This is a letter that I sent Lisa's dad back in 89, asking for his permission not to marry the girl, just to take her out. Huh? It doesn't matter how many pages are in this letter. Six. You know, I read this letter last night because I hadn't read it in a long time. Uh, Jean gave it back to me. She goes, Jean's my mother-in-law, Lisa's mom. And she said, oh, you remember this? I'm like, give me that. <laughs> it's like, this wasn't yours? <laughs> On the top it says, dear Mr. Shea. Not Mrs. Shea. But I read this letter last night, and, man, I started blushing. I got embarrassed. I thought, I actually wrote this? I mean, it's full of nothing, asking about the weather. It's got all kinds of stuff in here. And as I was reading, it was bringing back memories because it, it, it showed me, it reminded me that when I told Lisa about this, what I was struggling with, because I was really struggling. And the reason why I was struggling with asking her father is now I didn't know Warren and Jean at the time. If I had known Warren, then I would have known it wouldn't have been an issue. But I didn't know him. And so I thought that me asking Warren for permission was a death warrant to our relationship. Because I just knew he was going to say no. In a nice way, but I thought he was going to say no. And so I was struggling because I knew that as soon as I, he read the letter, I'd get a response back. I appreciate your integrity and all that kind of stuff, but I'd rather not. Or whatever. And so I struggled with, for a couple of weeks. And I remember telling Lisa about the idea, and she got all excited about it. I'm like, what are you getting all excited about? And I understood why later. But I wrote the letter, asked permission. And, I, and the reason why I wrote instead of now, we didn't have texting. We didn't have email back in the day. This is 89, okay? We didn't have all that. So it was either call on the phone or write a letter. And there's no way I'm calling on the phone. See, this way, if I would have called them on the phone, then I would have got them on the phone. I would have talked about the weather a whole bunch like I did later. And I would have forgot what I was going to say, and it would have been a mess. But writing a letter, I could use my lawyer skills <laughs> to convince him of, as to why he should let me date his daughter. So anyway, sent the letter. I was nervous, scared. And uh, he replied back very quickly, very graciously, and, and said, yes, CJ, I give you permission. In case you guys were wondering, he said yes. Gave me permission to continue to pursue his daughter. And so I was excited, as you can imagine. Uh, took our relationship to a whole nother level. Because I felt the peace of God. I felt the pleasure of God because I asked the father, my father, 
God, and then I asked her dad. And so I had her dad's blessing on me pursuing his daughter. And so talking about peace, peace in, in pursuing um, this lady in our relationship. And so we went out more and, and did things more. But, you know, I wasn't sure if, now I knew we were cool with dating and all that kind of stuff, but did she want to marry me? Would she want to spend the rest of her life with me? And I remember there came a point when I found out by accident, kind of by accident. Um, we were driving on Western, Western Street, and, and we were looking at houses. And, and we had talked about, you know, like, man, someday I want a house that has a huge front yard. Now, this is prophetic. So that me and my sons can play football in the front yard. Me and my sons. I'm 21 years old, not even married. I'm talking about me and my sons. And by the way, I have five sons. <laughs> so I said, you know, someday I want a big yard so me and my sons can play football in the front yard. And I told her that. And she said, yeah, you know, someday I want a house and I want, uh, I think she had a white fence around it. Some about a white fence. And so we're driving down Western. And then she said, now I saw, as we're driving, I saw this particular house. And she said, did you see that house? I said, which house? She goes, that one back there we just passed. I said, what about it? Because I did see it. And I noticed what she was about to say, but I didn't realize she was actually going to say it. She goes, did you notice that house? And she said, it had a huge front yard. And it had a white fence around it. I said, did you really just say that? She put our dreams together. In the same house. I was like, and man, my heart rate went up. And I said, do you realize what you just said? And she said, mm-hmm. <laughs> it got real quiet. Real quiet for a while. And so then I asked her, so would you be willing to marry me if I were to ask you? Because I wasn't asking because I didn't want to get shot down. So I was seeing, would you, if coincidentally, you know, if I happen to ask you. And she said, um, I can't remember how she answered, but it was affirmative. Remember, it was yes. I was like, oh, I mean, I'm surprised I kept the car on the road. I was so excited. Huh? Yeah, it was real quiet after that. It's extremely quiet. But again, Lisa and I at that, at that time, we were so committed and passionate about Jesus. And we were so committed to him that not even each other would be allowed to come. I was not more important to her than him and vice versa. And so our desire was to do his will, follow him, and we didn't want anything to come between us and the Father. So we, we asked the Lord, Lord, we want to know if this is your will for us to get married. You gave us permission to date and everything, but it is, your, is it your will for us to marry? And how could we know that? Because we want to know God's will. And we believe he gave us a plan. Because we believe in the principle of authority. And, and what we believe the Lord showed us is if we had the blessing and permission from our closest, most important authority figures, then it was a go. And that was our Pastor Dale, Lisa's parents, and my parents. If they all said yes... It was God. If one out of five said no, then it was a, we're going to end it. And so you can imagine how terrified I was. And I remember, is Pastor Dale in here? 
No, there he is. I, I don't know if you remember this, Dale. This is a f- couple of years ago. But he was sitting in his, in his office, and I sat down, and I said, Hey, Pastor, I want to talk to you about something. He said, Come on in. Have a seat. And I said, Well, you know, I'm fumbling. I'm staggering. I'm, you know, just my words are having a hard time. And, and basically I said, How would you feel about me marrying Lisa? And those of you who know Pastor Dale, you know he's not a very expressive, emotionally person, right? Normally he's not. Well, when I asked him about me marrying Lisa, he jumped out of his chair and said, Praise God, brother! (laughs) Scared me to death. (laughs) I don't know if you remember that. That's a few, few days ago, a few years ago. And so I'm thinking... One down, four to go. So I had the blessing of my pastor. And so I went to call Lisa's parents. This is, I had to actually call this time. A letter wasn't going to do. And so I called, and Jean answered the phone. Where's Jean at? There you are. And I'm not going to ask if you remember, because of course you remember this. I remember her answering the phone. I said, hey, Jean, how you doing? This is CJ. Hi, CJ, how you doing? And I said, can I speak to Warren? Well, sure, let me get him. So... And this is back in the day, the old phones, you know, you, you know, the old phones. Young people don't know what I'm talking about, but just, but everybody just knows the phones I'm talking about, right? And so Gene answers the phone, put, you know, puts it down and gets Warren. And I hear Warren pick up the phone, click. Hey, CJ, how you doing? And I'm waiting for another click. I'm waiting for Gene to hang up the phone. Gene doesn't hang up the phone. Now, I wasn't going to ask her to hang up the phone because I wasn't that brave. And she probably didn't have any intentions of hanging up that phone. But anyway, so I had to talk to both of them, and I stumbled and stuttered and asked about the weather probably at least five times. And then I asked, Warren, I'm asking, uh, calling to ask if I, have, if I could have your permission to, to marry your daughter. And Warren told me, now those of you who knew Warren, he's an amazing man. I mean, an incredible man. And he told me, he said, CJ, we'd be honored to have you as our son-in-law. And that was it. I was done. Gave Lisa the phone, and I'm done. Got two out of five, three out of five, two more to go. But I was so excited to hear that, to hear the approval of her father. So then I had to, and the funny thing is I went home, just thought I was randomly going home. My parents are divorced, so I had to tackle one at a time. And so I went home, and I'm sitting on the couch, and my mom's cooking. She's in the kitchen. I'm sitting somewhere close, and she's cooking or whatever. And we're talking. And she goes, I know why you're home. Like, what do you mean you know why I'm home? I'm here to see my mom, my favorite mom in the whole world. What do you mean? She goes, I know why you're really here. Why? She said, you're here to ask us about marrying Lisa. I'm like, what? It's like, who told you? I, who told you that? She goes, I'm your mom. She knew. And then I asked her, I said, so mom, what do you think? Is it okay if I marry Lisa? Well, my mom is very philosophical. So she began to philosophize and tell me how love has no color. And she just began to go into this wonderful. <laughs> so anyway, so that's four out of five. And then, of course, I went to my dad, and, and then he said yes. He said yes. And, and again, the reason why this was so important is because we love Jesus. We wanted his will. And we know that many people have an issue with our skin color. And unfortunately, over the years, 
we have faced more opposition inside the church than we have outside, which is crazy. But we didn't want that to be an issue if God didn't want it to be an issue. And that's why we wanted to make sure it was God's will. So our parents said, yes, I married the girl, living happily ever after. And, and the reason why I'm wearing this suit is because today is double duty for me. See, not only is it Mother's Day, but 29 years ago, at this time, she said, I do. And you know, the, uh, the encouraging thing about what God has done, what he's doing, I believe the choices that I made back when I made that commitment to invite Jesus into the process of my relationships. And I say, God, I don't know how to do this. I need your help. And I committed myself to him. I believe those, those choices that I was making at the time set the foundation for our marriage, set the foundation. You know, our, I can humbly say that we have an incredible marriage. We have an incredible Now, it's not perfect because God is still working on my wife. <laughs> you surprised? <laughs> now, obviously, it's not perfect, but... Um, and, and what I want to encourage you guys, you know, one last thing. I got one of the, the greatest compliments from one of my sons. When he was starting to date, interested in one young lady and everything, and he called me. He said, hey, Dad, can I talk to you? I want to talk about relationships. Now, he had five roommates, four or five guys he was living with in, in California. And he said, he said, I wanted to talk to you about relationships. He says, my roommates are trying to talk to me, but they don't know anything. He said, one of them just started dating a month ago, and he's trying to give me advice. <laughs> and he said, he said, Dad, I want to ask you because I want my marriage to be like yours and mom's. I thought, really? Now, those of you who don't know, we have six children. Four of them are grown. They live on their own. One of them is married. One's about to be married. And one's probably about to be married after that. And... But the cool thing is, now, I never told my sons how to do it. Now, when you meet a girl, here's how you need to do it. You need to ask her dad for permission. You need to do this and this and this. I never told them that. But guess what they've all done? I remember my second son, when he, his best friend, he became attracted to his best friend's sister. And he asked his friend, hey, I'm kind of liking your sister. Would you be okay if I asked her out? Because if you're not okay with that, our friendship is first. And so his friend was okay with that. Then, he, then before he even asked the girl, he asked her dad. He set up a coffee date with this man he'd never met before to ask for permission to pursue his daughter. And that's what my sons have done. And I think, now again, this isn't how you, everybody has to do it. It's not going to be the same, obviously. But the main thing I want to encourage you guys with is inviting Jesus into that process and following him committing to him because there's so much chaos, there's so much heartache, so much tragedy in relationships. But I believe if we learn to do it his way, we'll get to experience the fruit of his blessing and not the tragedy 
of curses and, and just chaos when we do it our way. I was talking to my son last night, the one who's about to be married, and he's 23 years old, still a virgin. And he was talking to some people at his work, some coworkers who aren't Christians, and they found out that he's about to get married in a, couple, in a few months. And they're like, what? You're about to get married? No, 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 no. You've got to live together for at least a few years to make sure, you know, try things out, make sure everything works before you get married. And they were, some of them were horrified that they were going to get married without living together first. And the fact that he was a virgin was just off the charts. Just off the charts. And I remember this one young lady having some trouble at school. And I'm going to close with this. This one lady, young lady having some trouble at school because she was still pure. She was a virgin. And her friends around her were not. And they were teasing her, making fun of her. Because, I mean, look at you. You're not a, you're not a woman or, or whatever they were saying. And then one day she decided to stand up to him. And she goes, you know, you guys know I'm a virgin and, and I'm choosing to be this. She goes, anytime I want to, I can become like you. But you can never be like me. And she was saying how she was saving herself for her husband. Her virginity was going to be a gift to her husband. And that's what my son told me last night that he was saying to people. He says, you know, my virginity is going to be a gift to my wife. And he said one lady started crying. She couldn't believe it. You know, this generation, it's crazy. <laughs> it's just crazy, all the challenges and, the, and everything. So would you stand with me? Now I'd like to ask our um, ministry team to come up, please. And I want to give you two invitations. The first one is, you know, I didn't talk much about it, but before I committed my relationships to Jesus, I committed my life to Jesus. And if, there's, if you have not done that yet, if you have not committed your life to Jesus, made him your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you today to not leave here until you do that. So when we dismiss, I want to invite you to come up and you can either talk to myself or one of these people and, and let us pray with you so you can give your life to the Lord. Amen? Or if you have any questions about that, please come and talk to us. And also, if you are born again, you're a Christian, you love Jesus, I want to challenge and encourage and invite you to invite him into your relationship process. Where you saying, Jesus, I'm yours, I'm committing myself to you, I'm committing this thing to you, whatever that looks like. It may look like what I shared, and it may not. But as long as you're putting him first in that particular area of your life. And I'm going to ask my wife to pray for those of you who would like to do that. Verse that, a verse that keeps coming to me is, um, and I'm sorry if I butcher this, but um, there is a way that seems right to man, but the end of it is death. <clears throat> That's in Proverbs, I believe. There's a way that seems right. That everyone says, this is the way you do it. The world screams and pulls out and says, if you want to be cool, if you want to be successful, this is how you do it. But in order to find the way that the Lord's wanting you to go, it's going to require you knowing him and you on purpose finding out what way you are to pursue your relationships. One more thing that my sons have done, I just so that I so admire 
<clears throat> as they were dating, that they've, and I've heard this from different, all the different ones that are adults anyways, because my younger sons are not going to worry about that. Okay. But the, um, the older ones were like, their whole intention for going out with a young lady and leaving that, they said, Mom, I choose to leave this relationship in a better way than what we started. Their purpose was they may be going out, but when they have to back out of relationships, which they have, they want to leave it in a better state than what they came. So they're bringing encouragement. They're bringing love. They're bringing something to that, and it's just not about them. And I know in today's society, not all of you have had the privilege of having those types of relationships and that type of, of you know, man or even females with you with the with the girl with the men, you know, of that being your purpose. But I just want to challenge you to make that your purpose. And even if you were married and you're no longer married, this is not too late. Purpose in your heart to make any relationship that you have with other men or women, and you know what I'm talking about. In today's age, you know what I'm talking about, okay. <clears throat> to make it better, leave it in a better place than where you found it. And so the relationship will not just be about you. So I would like, just put your hand on your heart. Please, that wasn't a command, it was just an axiom. And I'm just going to, because I know there's just a lot of family, you know, people who know everybody. If we're a small church and it's like, I don't want anyone knowing my business or whatever. But I want you really to make a commitment to the Lord. Because I can't choose anything for you. And the choice is totally yours. And I can't keep anything for you, but you can. So I want to like to pray over you as you just make your commitment. I just want to give you a few minutes or moments, few seconds, we don't have that long. And I just want, and if you're married, I want you to think about your spouse. And I want you to think about how you're investing in each other to make them a better son or daughter of the Most High God. And I want you to make a commitment. So I'm going to give you a few minutes just to hear from the Lord. And that you'll hear from him, his whisper to you, how can I do this, God? What do you want me to do? And Lord, I just thank you. You hear and you know every single situation in this room. That you're big enough from the form, big enough to fill those lonely places. And you're big enough to know what situation but I just thank you that we hear your voice and we hear the way that you're taking us. And so, God, we commit this to you. We commit healthy relationships to you, and we choose to walk in your ways, God. And I just thank you, God, just even for healing the brokenhearted today those who have been hurt and wounded, God, that you just love them in their broken places. And that with you, everything is redeemable. Every sin that we've done, everything that we have, have areas of mess up in our lives, every broken relationship, God, I thank you that everything is redeemable 
because of the cross and the blood of Jesus. And so I just thank you, God, just for redeeming those relationships, 